Chapter Nineteen of Living with Our Children by Clara D. Pearson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Great Words. A small lad, the son of a clergyman, brimming over with mischief and sometimes with genuine impishness, was devoted to one of our standard hymns, "Approach my soul, the mercy seat," and his father questioned him repeatedly as to the reason why he was so fond of it do you like the words so much he would ask or is it the music which you enjoy yet no matter how he approached the subject the reply was invariably the same oh i don't exactly know but that is a hymn and the father his eyes twinkling as he narrated the incident would shrug his shoulders and say well, any one who knows Freddy knows that it ought to appeal to him, but the very peculiar thing about it is that it does. Every now and then we run across some kindred incident in which a child shows an intense appreciation of an interest in something which is commonly considered quite beyond his ken. When we consider this fact, instead of merely being amused by an isolated instance we begin to wonder if there may not be in all children certainly in a considerable class of them an instinct too often ungratified for gripping and making their own some of the really majestic facts and ideals of life if so how neglected is that power there is among all children a pride in acquiring a few long words being able to speak them correctly and to spell them ostentatiously upon occasion a little fellow who still lisped considered it one of his greatest accomplishments to spell constantinople without an error or a pause for thought and there is another queer thing to be remarked the way in which children appreciate a grown-up possession of their own one elderly woman still recalls a certain christmas of her early childhood when among the many toys of her collection she found a walnut wall pocket designed to hold newspapers it had not been purchased for her but had been taken with numerous other wooden trifles by some relative in repayment of an uncollectable loan and had been included in her gifts to increase the array rather than because it could be of any conceivable use to her and yet after all these years it is the only one of the gifts which she can remember and it is a source of poignant regret to her that it was lost in one of the many removals of the family and she can no longer recall the joys of that far-off period by gazing upon the moulded sawdust cherub which adorned its front since these things are so why not utilize this childish tendency to better effect it is said that the late francis g parker used to step into a room of his wonderful school and say children what is the great word and a smiling chorus would answer him responsibility 
it is a great word. Great for a child to pronounce, greater for him to spell, and greatest for him to understand, but it is not beyond him in any of these ways. If only there is somebody who cares enough for him to keep the matter in mind and help him by seemingly casual reminders and reviews. Somebody who will remember to use the word in his presence when talking to adults, in speaking with admiration of people who have a fine sense of responsibility, or condemning others who have no sense of responsibility. It is easy to speak of Washington's great responsibility during the early days of our country, of an honorable businessman as a responsible person, of your own responsibilities in the home, of his being responsible for filling the wood box or clearing the walks. All this may seem very trivial. Most things do when considered alone but is all part of the introduction to a great ideal, to the sort of thing which holds men and women true to many an uncongenial task, and has often made a plucky coward of a frightened mortal. If we do not make it a matter of conscious endeavor, our children grow up more familiar with the names and properties of material things than with those of abstract and all-important qualities. Yet which is the more important? Our public schools have small time for the teaching of ethics in these days of overloaded curricula, and even if there were time for it, this sort of instruction is one in which the personal relationship, the close intimacy, counts for so much. It is not a subject for successful mass teaching. The Sunday schools can handle it better, but they reach only a small proportion of our young people, and that for only one hour a week, a considerable portion of which is devoted to the opening and closing exercises. Moreover, it is particularly true that in the things of the Spirit it is the word spoken in season and fitly spoken that counts. The Sunday school teacher's opportunity and the child's mood do not always coincide. It is the parents who have the wonderful chances, if they will but improve them, to build up a respect for a delight in the great abstract qualities which can be presented to the child only through the medium of words, or through those actions which the words inspire. Ah, oh, there are truly some great words in our wonderful language, words worth talking about and considering from many angles, words the comprehension of which should come to us early, in order that the qualities which they represent may become part of the very warp and woof of our lives. Responsibility, principle, truth, courtesy, thrift, wisdom, and many more, a noble company to be admitted to our speech and to our thought. End of chapter 19